come to kindergarten class. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. Today we have an interview with Victoria Hackett. She is the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com. As a parent, educational consultant, trainer, and coach, Victoria inspires playful learning. She has been in the field of education for over 25 years and holds a master's in education from Cambridge College. After years of working with children, educators, and parents in a variety of settings, Victoria has cultivated a passion for creating children's gardens as outdoor classrooms and has been spreading the concepts of outdoor classrooms ever since. Her mission is to create an international virtual community of natural teachers who inspire children to reconnect with nature. Her vision is for every child in every school to have access to an outdoor classroom. Victoria joined me over Skype, and first I asked her if she would talk a little bit about her unconventional background and her work with Boston Aid to the Blind. Well, first I went, even my college, when I went to college, I, I did an undergraduate um, degree with um, combining majors, where I combined dance, psychology, and education. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that led me actually to the Boston Aid to the Blind, where I brought, I wanted to bring dance to um I brought dance to elders, and they were elderly blind, and it was just this um, wonderful experience. And from that, I had always worked with kids, and I had noticed that there was a school across the street. So then my mind sort of started to think, oh, wouldn't it be great if? So I'd always, and I started noticing this pattern that I was always sort of combining either different generations or different uh, genres, um, and started noticing this pattern so I was really interested then at that point got very interested in it working with combining elders and kids because mm-hmm. there's just sort of this magic that would happen when they were together so I sort of added my dance element and I had these kids and elders and they were all sort of dancing together it was really just wonderful and then um, I became the chair of the intergenerational Massachusetts Massachusetts intergenerational network which um, was really uh, throughout Massachusetts tapped into just different intergenerational programs, um, and then my um, and through that I met my sort of dear friend who's now just turned eighty. Um, she started an intergenerational uh, garden program at the um, that kind of pulled out of the um, Mass Audubon, mm-hmm. and that was at a middle school, and it was this. Chenery Middle School Garden that really planted the seed with um, outdoor classrooms. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, There's, this is a whole other concept of um, the world. <laughs> yeah. But it was a lot of just um, the idea of mixing and matching. Yeah. Different, different genres. And putting things together. Yeah. So you have a history of doing things a little bit out of the box then. A little bit out of the box. I never really realized it till I sort of sat down and thought about it, Mm -hmm. but it was sort of, I was always a, um, as I went into education, I was sort of a non-traditionalist, I guess. Um, I sort of couldn't conform to the the classic, you know, classroom, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and I always felt like I was a little bit non-traditional in that way. Yeah. Would you like to talk about um, the intergenerational opportunities for education first, or would you like to talk about the garden first? 
Um, maybe I'll do the garden and then because that sort of feeds into the intergenerational piece. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about the history of this uh, Cove School Children's Garden and Outdoor Classroom? I think it's really interesting and fascinating how this happened. So I, um, it's funny because I've, again, I've always taught. I've always, um, I taught preschool, I taught after school programs. So I've had this um, big education background, but actually the garden the Cove School Garden and this this me thrusting into this um, this world started with my parent hat on. So I have two children. They're now currently uh, 14 and 12. Can't mm-hmm. believe it. But when they were in elementary school, um, we would pick them up at the door, and I just saw this sort of empty courtyard. And I sort of talked to my friend. I said, Diane, you know, this could be really a great space to sort of create something. And I had seen my friends garden at the middle school um, and it was really at that point the two of us kind of just sort of looked at, looked at each other and we thought wouldn't this be great and so we got a couple more parents together we got a couple teachers that were interested and we just started planting little gardens and we had a big um, community um, you know brought the whole community and we had a community day and we really just laid out all the gardens and it was really, it was that experience that was like, wow, this is awesome. So it started to grow, and we had a, um, we had all different gardens. We had a touch and feel garden. We had a butterfly garden. We had a, um, um, we call a, a fair, they were called a miniature garden mm-hmm. where kids could just make miniature houses. Mm-hmm. We had an up and down garden where things that were planted in the ground and raised and uh, we had a pizza garden, <laughs> and it was just, it just, what the most magical thing, it was just happened. It just became a, a, this community effort, mm-hmm. and within itself, it sort of became intergenerational because we had kids that were, um, all of a sudden, started bringing things that they didn't have backyards, their own backyards, so they would go, I had one little boy that brought in a, um, what did he bring in? He brought in a birdhouse. And he, he said he brought he made it at the Home Depot workshop, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a place for it in his own yard, and he would like to donate it. So we, my, we put it on this beautiful branch. We had just had a storm, and it and it, that next season, it birds had actually built a nest in it, and it was just this sort of like nature was taking its course, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was this incredible experience. I was completely transformed as an educator and as a parent, and um, my whole philosophy of education just shifted that year. So my kids, we did it every year, we had all of our rituals, and um, but what hit me the most was the, uh, the teachers. A lot of the teachers didn't really know what to do with the space, mm-hmm. so um, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And then also the kids, they were fifth grade, my kids were young at the time, but um, the fifth graders at the time had never planted a bulb in the ground, mm. and it was striking to me. I was like, "Wow, this is this is really interesting." So I just went on this um, crazy, crazy uh, research, trying to get everything I could um, get my hands on in terms of learning more about outdoor classrooms. So that you could educate the teachers and the children. Like it really, it really became for me. Um, so my kids then graduated. And it really became sort of um, because I was so transformed. It was such an incredible 
um, mix of watching this sort of garden being planted and seeing all of this sort of serendipity happening. Mm-hmm. You know, kids get getting so excited. It was really their space, and everybody was sort of working together. But yet, at the same time, there was this void. Mm-hmm. Um, it became sort of a pretty place to go, and I wanted it to be sort of ingrained in the curriculum. To be part of the curriculum. I really wanted it to be part of the curriculum, and I really want. And I, I mean, I, <laughs> I wanted it to, you know, come. So we created our 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 butterfly garden because it was connected to the butterfly curriculum. I think it was second or third grade. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I wanted it to be like really. I wanted them to be outdoors a lot more than they were. Um, so it was a fascinating beginning. And so my kids graduated, I graduated, but that never left me. And that's where the outdoor classrooms piece came to be. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because I taught at a school that had an empty courtyard and I always thought we should do something with this. We should do something, but we never did. And I thought, I might have found you sooner. Yeah, it was cra- it was crazy because it was just like me and my crazy friend. We'd like let's let's just do it, you know. And it was one of the we sort of asked for permission, but we just <laughs> but it really grew into this incredible um, incredible experience. By the end of my time there, I remember my goal was to have every single child um, plant something by the end by the or something in the garden. And we so what we did was we did bulbs. We had thousands and thousands of bulbs. Um, planted um, that kids planted that were donated. They were donated, and then we planted them. But they were our, they were almost too many for our space. So they were, you know, bulbs and flowers everywhere, and seeds. And it was just great because it was not. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't sort of this perfect outdoor space. It was sort of the imperfections that made it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then we we even got we even um, became we 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 wrote grants. If I can write a grant, anybody can write a grant. We got five hundred dollars, and we got, you know, awarded. Like wow, it was it was huge. So we bought a um, a shed, and it was just really became this living outdoor classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah. I think some of my fondest memories of my kids in elementary school <laughs> <laughs> are in that space. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk about some of the benefits that you see when when you? see kids working and learning outside, what the benefits for them are? Well, I say in all my workshops, I do a lot of um, talking around um, to teachers in live workshops, and I tell all, I have a a slide that talks about just even uh, Richard Love and his movement, um, um, Last Child in the Woods, and he's done a lot of research on what's happening uh, with children today is, and dubbed the term nature deficit disorder. So what's happening even with kids today is they're spending way too much time in front of screens. We have a huge percentage of kids that are obese. We have um, just this disconnect, this huge disconnect. So there's been this huge movement to um, reconnect kids with nature. And it's it's striking how far children today, young children, have, have come, become and been... De- de- have become disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, so the benefits are huge. They're even saying that if you can spend 20 minutes outdoors, um, that's going to make a huge difference just in the neuroscience of the brain. 
Um, so my big push is to inspire teachers, if, and even if they don't have an outdoor classroom, to even take a walk around their building or their house or find a log that they can put into their play space um, because the benefits are enormous. Um, just sent, sent, and I see this all the time. I even saw this at the Cove Garden um, was the um, kids, teachers would sort of remark like, wow, this is the child that was crazy in the classroom and look how centered he is or she is um, in this outdoor classroom. And there's sort of a centeredness that sort of can happen. Um, but playing in the dirt, getting dirty, getting muddy, um, all benefits and centers our kids. Mm -hmm. So 20 minutes. It's not <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend. Highly recommend. At least 20 minutes outside. Yes. So we, I know there's a big push for STEAM everywhere for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about how outdoor classrooms can help us meet STEAM standards? Oh, there's so much. I can't even, it's, there's, and I talk about this all the time in, in a variety of workshops and whatnot, but it's, um, it's really, what I actually like to do is I like, there's so much STEAM out there, like different activities, and oftentimes um, STEAM is, people will take one of the things, like they'll take science and do science outdoors, or they'll take math and do that separately. What I actually love to do, especially in outdoor classrooms, is to find a favorite children's book, whether it be Miss Rumpheus or, or something that's connected to, to the outdoors. It could be the big carrot or anything, but finding uh, wonderful children's books and actually finding STEAM and using the children's book as a vehicle to inspire activities. So finding STEAM activities from that one book. So it could be a book, um, it could be, say, Miss Rumpheus, finding a science activity from that book could be, um, it could be the simplicity of planting seeds. Or engineering can be um, the movement of, of sea travel. Mm -hmm. um, and technology, it could be p taking pictures. Um, art could be painting. Um, lupines, because that's all lupine seeds are in the, lupine plants are in that book. Um, and math, you know, could be counting seeds. So it's a lot of different things. Um, but I love the idea of incorporating literacy. And there's a new term now, which is stream. I don't know if you've heard of it heard yet. This. We keep it's, adding letters to this. I know. <laughs> yeah, we've got stream. And now, we've, now the, big, the last couple of months I've been hearing stream. But <laughs> which fits right in with what you're doing. It is. It does. Stream. And I really, I've been, I've been pushing. There's so much out there. And I, I'm finding teachers do it all sort of separately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the concept of actually lose it, using literacy to streamline it all um, and use a, a, liter a children's book that's connected to nature as your inspiration as to create a foundation. Um, and and then, then, it, then that kind of focuses mm -hmm. um, the experience. So you can read the book out in the garden and then you can have all these different, I call them learning stations, out outdoors, um, really creating outdoor learning stations, um, and whether they be individual gardens or their um, individual activities, they can be a variety of, of things, but having that one children's book really can be a center centerpiece. 
I like that idea because, you know, I, I know that all early childhood educators love books, love picture yeah. books. So that's a good place to start. That's the thing. I think. I think it's a great... Yeah, they're inspiring, I think, for for teachers and for kids. Yeah. Very, very simple. Do you, if, if there's some teachers listening and they want, they really want to get their kids outside and get them connected to nature, but they don't have a space or they're not, or it seems too overwhelming and they're not sure where to start. Do you have any advice for anybody if that's where they're at? This is often, it's interesting because it's, it's, um, it's very interesting that the phases that teachers go through. So there's sort of, um, becoming a natural teacher. And I talk about that a lot in, in one of my first phases and that talks a lot about even teachers' fears of, of teaching outdoors because it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and that, that connection. And then there's also um, um, sort of adding that curriculum piece. But what I tell all teachers is um, to be, begin simply. Because you're also, if you're as a teacher, getting used to teaching outdoors and to just first take a walk. But to take yourself on a walk before you take the kids on the walk. To really get yourself connected with nature. Um, and then begin taking kids on a walk. And to then find a gathering place where you can just simply go and gather and, and take, ba- take these little baby steps. So and I, whether you have a tarp or a blanket or something and read a book outdoors. Because what happens is kids are... They go outside, and they're, if they're young, they, they run. That's just they, that they, they, they've been trained that, they, okay, this is what we go outside, and we just sort of have these spaces. Creating an outdoor classroom kind of reframes the outdoor experience because we want to teach outdoors. Mm-hmm. So starting small, and if teachers don't have space, and, and they don't have to have a big space, really they can begin an outdoor classroom in um, a, a pot. Just a simple pot, mm-hmm. and it can be a, it could be anything. It can be a vegetable garden. It can be um, you can put a butterfly bush in a pot and have butterflies. Um, it could be as simple as that. So it can be as simple as um, growing seeds on a windowsill mm-hmm. and watching that grow, and maybe even then putting it in a pot and having those pots go outdoors. So it can start very very small and finding the enthusiasm. Um, from the kids, I find that teachers, if there is a, if, and then it, the flip side, if they have a huge space and they get completely overwhelmed, so to really take one garden at a time and look at the whole space, um, lots of really fun ideas. So I have different different phases of um, my my teaching and um, learning, and it t- really takes the teacher from becoming a natural teacher to designing an outdoor classroom to adding that curriculum. Um, getting getting there, where they want to be. Where they want to be. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the different kinds of gardens that people can... can love to. Awesome. So, <laughs> so in my crazy research phase, um, when I was just, I couldn't, I wanted to get my hands on everything, I really found, after all my research, um, that there were four types of gardens. Um, I couldn't... I, I was amazed, actually. And then when I was digging a little bit deeper in my research, I really found that um, there were camps. There were like camps of people that didn't cross over. 
they were like in their camp. And I'm like, oh, this is mix and match. You know, I'm the mix and match girl. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So the first type of garden I was just the folks that I call, so I called it um, Gardens That Feed. And that those are all the folks that just love edible gardens and they've just focused on, on producing food. And so that's the gardens that feed. And then my second garden I found, oh, there's this whole other camp of people that uh, really like wildlife. I'm like, wow, like the wildlife people weren't interested in the gardens that feed people. And, but there's this whole other camp. So it was, so I called that the gardens that attract wildlife. And then the third camp is um, obviously, then everybody thinks, well, we want to inter integrate curriculum into um, our outdoor classroom. But I didn't find the curriculum folks were necessarily interested in wildlife or food. <laughs> Or, or they had a curriculum kind of. It was just curriculum for wild for food. Mm -hmm. one, so I like okay, we're gonna have our own gardens that attract, um, gardens that honor, no, gardens that I'm sorry that are rooted in the curriculum. Are rooted in curriculum. Okay. Gardens that are rooted in curriculum, and then the last one brings back my origin, which was intergenerational. So we have the um, gardens that are, um, can you hear my dog? Should I close? It's all right. <laughs> so we've got the last one, which is gardens that are, um, that honor intergenerational connections. Mm -hmm. And those gardens are completely different than the first three. And those are really based on that, um, that original garden at the Chenery Middle School, which is, all of it is based on um, intergenerational connections. And... Um, how to um, create a space that really honors elders and children. Mm -hmm. And the experience in that garden is really about the relationships and community and connection and all of that. Mm -hmm. So what I love to do is introduce the four types of gardens and invite teachers to see which garden they're most connected to, but also invite them, I introduce the gardens and then each type of garden has different elements. Um, and then invite them to mix and match. And make a garden that's their very own. Make a garden that's their very own. Um, it's sort of, but I, I'm sort of like, okay, here are the four types. And then they get to sort of design, it's like designing your own ice cream sundae. Because every, <laughs> what I found, found also in visiting all these gardens is that everybody has a different space. Mm -hmm. Some people have, a very very small space and other people have not miles and acres um, and, and other people have very our their gardens are their schools are on roofs and it's all very plastic so but at the same time I found that the elements are all the same the elements to all these four types of gardens are very similar and you can actually incorporate and adapt the elements to fit the space and then I thought wow what if every single teacher got really jazzed about creating an outdoor space and taking their kids outdoors, we would actually decrease the obesity and all of these statistics that are hindering our school system. Mm -hmm. So that sort of becomes my motivation, I think. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the resources that are at your website, outdoorclassrooms.com? Sure. Um, I have since then, so the research happened, I 
sort of created these four types of gardens and um, so what I wanted to do then was I was I would go out and do all these workshops these live workshops and you know when you go to a conference and you get all excited and you get all these really great ideas and then you get home and you kind of implement them and it lasts about a week or so or two and then you kind of get a little like oh well that was that sort of has that ever happened to you? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Happens <laughs> to me too. And I like, and I become the presenter. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know. And I, and then I start thinking about, wow, that. I wonder what happened to so and so, and what ha- they had that great idea. I wonder if they implemented it. So, at that point, I really wanted to create a platform where teachers could come and share, and talk about their experiences and learn. And um, so I started learning about um, online um, learning. Mm-hmm. And so I cre- started creating um, e-courses. And so I created three different e-courses, which is sort of represents my, the three phases that I believe we all, that uh, natural teachers go through. So one of them is um, uh, becoming a natural teacher, teaching in the dirt, becoming a natural teacher. And then I've got my second one is teaching in the dirt, designing outdoor classrooms. And the final one is teaching in the dirt, steam outdoors. Mm-hmm. So it really takes you through the three different phases. But there is also um, a blog, which is called The Seedling, which is where I, um, I do a lot of writing. But it's also a place where I invite um, natural teachers to share their, their own experiences um, and where they can be showcased. Um, because I'm sort of my hope is to collect a lot of different outdoor classroom stories, mm-hmm. so we can share them with each other mm-hmm. uh, virtually. So what's um, what else is there? There's just uh, the e-courses. In the e-courses, there's lots of goodies. Like um, I have a garden shed that um, with additional resources. Um, the blog. It's just a, I find it's a really easy to use uh, resource. Place to find um, other teachers that are doing the same thing, um, other great books that have been inspired, if you want to sort of look for something. Um, but the e-courses are great. And what's upcoming in this fall are going to be mini, mini e-workshops so um, that are going to hopefully be monthly uh, with just sort of inspirational nuggets um, that teachers can sort of use that particular month in their outdoor classroom. So not just to be out there in the nice warm months, but also why not go out in the winter? Um, but what's happened is there's a dialogue internationally. I've got folks that have found me um, all over the world, so which is really exciting. Um, so really fun. It's fun. There's a lot to learn from the UK because they're doing some great stuff with the forest schools and stuff. So it, it, make, it keeps me as a learner. Yeah, and it's nice that you have this as a resource because I think whenever you try something new, it's always nice to have a support group. Yes, and a place to go for ideas to keep you going, so you don't. Yeah, I think it's. I, I just did a workshop last night actually, and I was telling them. I said, "Okay, take a picture. You know, take a pic. Let's do some follow up. I'll be your account accountability partner, and mm-hmm. you can, you know, just send me an email and." Um, let me know. So the other resource is that every Friday I send out a newsletter mm-hmm. of updates and additional resources and hopefully going to add some if, if teachers are interested in um, finding resources for grant writing and things like that. So 
Um, that's another great thing to do. Um, and there's another a new added element, which is a seven. What is it? The um, the new red watering can on our homepage, which is the a seven day um, free equal free uh, email course, uh -huh. which is um, gives you some idea of how things. Yeah, I've been getting those, and it's been very I'm, informative. I'm, it's kind of exciting to get them and <laughs> see what kind of new tidbits I'm going to get every day. Yeah, <laughs> you like it? I'm so glad. I do. I love my watering can. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's fun. It's just it feels like a garden, and it's the site feels like a garden too, because I feel like there's just so much still to be learned. Um, I've met people in um, that are doing aquaponics. I really want to learn about that and there's just so much um, possibility mm -hmm. and I feel like we're I feel like even since I started this the movement has grown and grown and grown and I feel like that it's even when I started it felt like it was still very foreign mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it's my, my hope is that every child in every school will have access to an outdoor classroom mm -hmm. and I really feel like if every teacher is kind of make trying to um, take them out and um, even if they put a log or something, something, and put a sign up and really make it a classroom, uh -huh. um, that was sort of one of the favorites. Was actually putting a log in in your outdoor space and putting a sign next to it saying "observation log" and uh -huh. really just watching it, observe, observing it, the decomposition process. So, yeah, and kids are so fascinated by that kind of thing. It's so fun to watch them when they get to interact with nature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible, and that's the magic. I think that's the the incredibleness of it is that nature has its own energy, and when you kind of mix it all together um, and just sort of um, introduce it, mm -hmm. the rest is sort of on, nature takes care of the rest. I really, really, from the core, um, believe that this is our educational systems need this desperately. Our kids need to be. Um, connected or reconnected to nature. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other places that you that people can find you? Are you in Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those Facebook, things? Outdoor clash, just outdoor-classrooms.com. You can join our Facebook book community. Um, not, I have to work on my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty to work on. This a lot to work on. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. This is wonderful. I, I love what you're doing. I think it's wonderful to collaborate and um, build community around all of this goodness. Yeah, share goodness. And it's exciting yeah. with the, every, how everything is to be able to share with people all over the world and get in touch. It's exciting. So It is exciting. And I think yeah. it's, it's as time goes on, it's really, it is ultimately about building community. And, and we all have our strengths and weaknesses and figuring out how we can use them all. And again, going back to the original story of mixing and matching, um, it's really finding within our communities what our strengths and weaknesses are. But that's, I think, also one of the first steps of creating outdoor classrooms is finding out who your community is mm -hmm. and not limit it to uh, just fellow parents or fellow teachers, but to open the community up to young people and your, the seniors in your community um, because there's just a wealth of knowledge that has become untapped because we often separate our communities into um, separate communities. Yeah. But it's, 
it's really about layering all that and creating um, um, and tapping into those untapped worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Victoria, for sharing with us. When I was talking with her mom, I couldn't help but think about your science center and how you use that in your classroom to get the kids involved with nature. One of my favorite things to do is to take a fall walk and take a sack along and collect things from nature and then come back and sort them and make a journal out of our things. But mostly I include nature in my classroom in my science center. I bring nature into the room by having things like ladybugs and insects and plants and worms and things like that for the kids to discover and to observe. One of my favorite things that I like to do is after we carve our classroom pumpkin is to actually watch it decay. (laughs) And it gets really creepy looking and when I do that, I always choose a really, you know, a small pumpkin because one year I chose a giant pumpkin (laughs) and it takes like till January before that (laughs) thing starts to decay. So I choose a little pumpkin because the one that I let go till January, one day I came to school and it was gone. And the custodian that after school said, I threw that disgusting pumpkin away finally. It was so (laughs) awful. (laughs) And so now I use a smaller pumpkin and I put a little sign. Do not throw this away. Yeah, (laughs) decay at work, we are observing. (laughs) But I think it's really important to bring nature in. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?